This episode was recorded on Gunditjmara country. I pay my respects to the traditional custodians who continue to maintain cultural practices through dance, song, language and caring for country. Are people actually ready to view someone with a disability in the same light as they are someone who doesn't have a disability? When you're in a creative community and you're able to collaborate and people are freely able to share ideas, their voices, their movement, it's an exciting place to be in. It's what we need because without this, without this in the choir, we really have nothing. How do we find true meaning and connection in life? I'm on a quest to meet people who have found connection and meaning in their life. People who make time for something that has value and purpose or makes them feel joyful and alive. I'm convinced that through meeting these people, I'll find one thing I can be doing to bring more connection and meaning into my life. So I quit my job, bought a pop-up camping trailer, and I'm heading off on a journey around Australia to see what other people are doing. My name is Kai, and I'm on a journey towards connection. I spent a few days exploring the Great Ocean Road before landing in Warrnambool. I ended up loving Warrnambool, so much that I would consider moving there. With over 35,000 residents, it's really a city by the beach. There are great places to eat and drink and a thriving art scene. Plus, I fell in love with the Find Your Voice Collective, who welcomed me into their improv space and acting class with massive smiles and, luckily for me, non-judgmental attitudes. I spent a day with the collective, adopting my own alter ego and giving acting a red-hot go as the group prepared for their next big public show. My name's Tom Richardson. I'm a singer-songwriter musician and have beautifully found myself in a kind of creative direction role for the Find Your Voice Collective, which is an accessible creative arts program, really strong in the performing arts, but starting to make all art forms as accessible as possible to the Southwest Victorian region. My name's Kylie Tholborn. I am passionate about creative activism, have been doing that in my life for some time and have been really fortunate enough to stumble across the same trajectory as my friend Tom and be really like engaged in an innovative, stimulative, community-based creative arts program that is complex but divine in its creation and I think the the main incubator for that was the Find Your Voice Choir which a lot of people know us for. So how did you guys meet? I don't know if I can pinpoint exactly when mm. we met. So it'd be yeah 20 years maybe. Yeah we've known each other for a couple of decades yeah. in some form on and off and that's been through family maybe initially through school but then we probably really connected through a love of the ocean and getting outdoors and our first probably crazy adventure was jumping on a plane and and doing some adaptive surfing and adaptive skating programs in America and Costa Rica and then from kind of that experience there was the realization that yeah I suppose we have a, a bunch of fun together and like to kind of mess with the status quo a little bit and make life super joyful for ourselves first and foremost but then for a lot of other people so that's probably the initial 
adventure. I love the challenges that Tom presents to me in my own life and I love that I am able to challenge him as well and that through that, you know, all these transferable qualities that we have have grown and emerged into something that we're really passionate about and at the end of the day that's music Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. and community really. I've always been about that concept of community for community and also if someone us we always tend to be there and and that's a gift to be able to hold that space and give that but creating safe spaces to together you said safe space what does that mean oh for me personally safe space is a space that's accessible that doesn't allow a narrative of discrimination or fear or one of persecution to be illuminated in any way, shape or form. It's providing opportunity for people to express themselves in a manner that suits them, not I. And I think as an ally and someone that is supportive in the creative arts, that's really what I'm about is helping people be the best version of their creative selves and instilling a belief in them that they have a capacity to share their stories and to share their expertise. And that unfortunately, particularly for people with disability who have historically been very discriminated against and isolated and institutionalised, that opportunity to express oneself is not being something that has come without barriers and significant barriers and so I have a personal experience of disability in my own life with a child and so I really have had that personal experience where I've not felt safe where we've not felt safe to express who we are and how we want to share the integral importance of what we have as community with the rest of community. My name's Harves McCorkle. My pronouns are she, her, they, them, but I don't really give a crap if whatever anybody says. Apparently, I am diagnosed with dystonia, but I think that's just an identity thing. It's a complex movement, sort of. My beautiful mother started the Find Your Voice Choir with Tom Richardson, and then that morphed into the Find Your Voice Collective. And your mum's Kylie? Yes, my mum's Kylie. So, honestly, does she make you come or do you choose to come? Bit of both. (laughs) Mainly because after COVID I felt like, okay, well, the rest of my life's going to be pretty boring, so why not do something fun? Just being able to explore different concepts of art and being able to help broaden other people's understanding about gender diversity in the disability community. And do you get to do a lot of gender expression in this space? Yeah, nobody really cares here. They're like, okay, yeah, big deal. Go do your art stuff. And how's that different to the rest of the world? Well, the other rest of the world have hang-ups about it and are slightly confused by the idea about people should have rights over their own body. Can you describe what the other members of the group are like? As a whole, they're very accepting, creating and remarkably artistic. My name is Grace Kenny. I am now 19 years old. What brings you to this collective? Well, when it first started, my dad came home and told me, if you want to come to this collective, to this group, and he said that they do music and theatre, and I said I'd be really into it. And so I've been coming along to this group Tuesday and Thursday, and I really like it. Cool. Have you always been into music? Well, ever since I was young, all I did was listen to music. Like, I was always listening to the Riggles growing up and 
when I started one of my own songs when I was 10 and just kind of grew from there. So you write your own songs, what sort of songs do you write? I just write anything that comes out of my head. One of the first songs I remember writing was Come and Get Me, which is now recorded. What do you like about coming here every Tuesday and Thursday? Uh, I just like being part of this group and that I get to meet all these wonderful other artists that are also some writers and we can collaborate and talk music together. So you get on stage and you perform some of your own songs and you perform as a group. Yeah. What does that feel like? It does feel really awesome. Like, I don't really know what the words are for it. It just feels really surreal, like it's just happening in the moment. Do your family or friends come and watch you perform on stage? Yeah, my mum and dad come. Not so much my brothers and sisters, but sometimes they do and it's a big event. What do they think of you doing that? Yeah, they really love me doing that because they're not really into music as I am. Like, I do listen to music, but I've been listening to music a lot longer than they have, and I just feel like it's just a part of me. I was born to be a singer. I was born to be a pro. First to find a voice cry, let me get my flow. My name's Bruce Cameron. I'm actually part of the Find Your Voice Collective and also the Find Your Voice Choir. I'm actually visually impaired. I got meningitis when I was three months old. Oral meningitis, and I mean, I'm able to do a lot more now than what I used to be able to. I really enjoy coming here. It's a real blessing to be here. What is it that you like so much about coming here? I guess it's the the, the friendship, the companionship, the atmosphere. It's really good. I feel that it's what we need because without this, without this in the choir, we really have nothing. And I think it's important for people with a disability no matter what disability they've got, it's important for them to have something. I sometimes think to myself, well, why should we be left out? We're normal people, why should we be left out? I've also become part of the collective committee, which I'm enjoying very much. I think it's the most rewarding thing that I've done. So I'm going back to the quiet. Can you explain how this started? I suppose the whole Find Your Voice adventure started from Two phone calls. The first one was from Port Ferry Folk Festival, which is an amazing local festival in southwest Victoria, which has been going for 45 years. And I was working with the festival to run some songwriting workshops. And one of the schools that I was working with pulled out last minute and they said, you know, what are you going to do with that kind of aspect of the funding? And then the second phone call was to Kylie saying, what are the odds of creating a human choir that is accessible to all. Probably the last five years prior to that, we'd been doing the accessible surfing and skating programs. And Kylie's got decades. She's the superwoman guru in that field as a ally in the disability sector. And she said, yeah, that's a piece of cake, let's do it. And so with Kylie's network and my musical background. I thought, you know, we might be doing one performance at Port Ferry with 20 or 30 choir members. Then we said, cool, we're going to meet up in Warrnambool for our first group rehearsal and 90 people turned up and there was fist fights and mental breakdowns, people running out of the room. 
you know, it's really easy to focus on the the difficult parts, but ultimately there was 90 people that were just unapologetically dropping any kind of vulnerability and just blowing our faces off standing in front of these people singing with the choir. And so it became really evident really quickly that this was going to be a thing. And I think the first performance we had maybe 120 on stage. You know, we first started November of 2017 and now Port Ferry Folk Festival 2022, we took 231 choir members on stage. And that's the choir alone. And from that experience, it was really, really evident that, especially in regional parts, you know, I don't want to focus on the lack in regional areas because I think there's a lot of beauty in smaller communities, but there's not the same access to accessible, high quality, professional creative arts offerings. And so I think we had this huge community that wanted to get super creative. And so we're like, righto, let's do this and do it really well. And so who makes up this massive choir? Like who are these people that showed up to sing together? As we've evolved over time, you know, where people come from and um, the spaces and places they inhabit has just expanded as well. And so we predominantly work with choir members across the southwest of Victoria. We've had people as far as Melbourne drive down and be a part of our rehearsal processes and performances. And it's a hub of something that is really indescribable like to sit in a podcast and try and verbalize what what it is to be in the heart of the find your voice choir is almost impossible it really is spine tingling goosebump inducing joy promoting community connection personified and every time i get an opportunity to sit and reflect like this instance I'm having now, I'm blown away by actually the community that comes together and how seamlessly that first note just ties everyone together in a space, in a place. And unfortunately for a lot of our choir members that do have a lived experience of disability, visibility in the community or visibility as being a really valuable contributor to community hasn't always happened easily and so for me the pride is also in creating a forum a safe place or space for those that are really been marginalized really had their voices superimposed by others just to come on stage and be a part of of what we do but being able to see you know a dozen wheelchairs on a stage like logistically it's not the easiest thing to get everyone on stage but we make that happen i really honestly think that music is that universal conduit to the soul and um time and time again even though we might all come in the spaces from different um places and and maybe with different experiences it is the seamless capacity of music just to thread it a community, a group, a moment, a festival crowd, whatever it is in your lounge room with friends. It's that music for me that really is the palpitating core of what we do and the joy that that brings and the freedom of expression that facilitates. It's like, it's a magical thing. And I think music is very undervalued in the world um, for what 
it can do and the, the impact it has on, on people. You start off by talking about safe spaces, but then it sounds like you're almost talking about like celebration spaces or something more than just a safe space. Human space. It's really, that's the bottom line. Like everything that we do is really influenced by, you know, a um, human rights model of disability. I think the creative arts is the ultimate equaliser. We can really analyse it within an inch of its life or you can just kind of take a step back and say, you know, what are the things that have tied humans together regardless of where in the world or what background people are from and it's telling stories and it's the creative arts. It's music and it's dance and it's paintings on the wall. You know, these are the things that we've been sharing and how we've been communicating since before recorded history. You know, every single culture on the planet has recorded history of music. And so I think it's just the, the perfect way of sharing human emotion and there's no barriers to that. Every single person on the planet can do that. Obviously, we work with so many individuals who identify with the disability and the legitimate professional creative arts practice is just as valid as anybody else. There's, you, there's fine artists in the collective that are way better than I'll ever hope to be at some kind of fine art, whether it's painting or drawing or ceramics or there's theatre producers that are way more skilled, way less vulnerable than I ever would be in that space. There's singers that can sing far better than I can, people who can play instruments far better than I can. You know, if you were to maybe read a synopsis of who we are and what we do, it may not bring everyone into the room, but I guarantee if everyone just dropped their pre-existing concepts of what human is, what human shape looks like, what human expression is, everyone would be in the room and that celebration of humanity just doesn't happen in in a lot of places across society but it does happen with music and it does happen with the gathering of people and I think that's what I'm really proud of is that we can do that not only for ourselves and our own passions but we can bring others that fuel us with their passions and, and then that expands and then hopefully those that come see us will also you know be invigorated and we want to talk about we want to create conversations and narratives that may not always be comfortable as well. And it's the people that make up the collective. They're the storytellers. They're the ones with the juicy moments that just then they are able to create into a song lyric or a theatrical piece. Who is your audience and how do they respond? What I often find the most difficult thing the most difficult conversation that Kylie and I often had when we're supporting a public output or a performance or an exhibition is not how do we make it accessible to our creatives, how do we actually make it accessible to an audience? Are people actually ready to view someone with a disability in the same light as they are someone who doesn't have a disability and it's you know throwing that out the window and letting the creative arts do the talking but i think that the overwhelming feedback that we've got from the choir is there's something about it that you can't 
put into words and I know that's a useless answer for a podcast. You know, I can't put it into words and I'm the luckiest guy in the world to stand in front of 200 people just unapologetically sharing themselves through music. The lack of vulnerability is like holding up a mirror to the wider community and the brilliance and the celebration and the heartbreak and the emotions that are shared through art are felt by the community and I think it breaks down perceptions really quickly, more quickly than I think the audiences are equipped for, which kind of cracks people open faster than they were anticipating and then they feel like they've just been to church or they've just done some kind of spiritual awakening because they've been in the presence of this human emotion that is so powerful that it makes you ask a whole lot of questions of yourself. audiences that come and see you guys feel the same do you think they change that's a hard one because i see them change but i have the fear in my head that they they don't but i know that that fear doesn't exist it's only my own procrastination and paranoia creating that fear how do you hope that they might change what do you hope an audience member would take away from seeing one of your performances well i hope an audience member would take away the fact that just like any other artist it's not better because it's a different group that's been marginally stereotyped by society. And it's not worse because of that. It's just a different way of thinking, and a different way of expressing yourself, your views and your personality. Another thing actually, people with disabilities, we do other stuff. Like me, I also do wheelchair skating at the skate park. And I'm sure right now, the listeners to this podcast are gonna be interested in turning their head and be like, what's that? Well, I can't be stuffed explaining it, just Google it. I'm Megan Twycross. I am the theatre director for the Find Your Voice Collective. I run the day program on a Thursday and then through that we work up to authentic arts experiences or outputs. So we work on shows or happenings or live arts things, whatever kind of comes from the creatives that term. What's your objective with the group? What are you trying to do? So the idea is giving a platform for the ideas of the creatives. I kind of might come with a basic idea or concept and then they add their own ideas or voices or we start from scratch and we go, hey, what do you guys want to make a theatre piece about? You're heading towards something pretty serious though. You've got a show, right? Can you explain the show? Yeah, so the show's pretty, it's kind of just like this harebrained scheme. I came to these guys at the end of term one and I was like, hey, what about this idea of the alter ego series where you could be whoever you want. There is no limitations on you. This can be completely fictional or it can stem from something that is your passion and you just want to show the world who you really truly are. It's kind of like a live arts experience. We've spent this term kind of character development you know no limitations so if, if gender's a thing that you want to explore then yeah by all means explore a different gender or a, a non-gender if you want to feel beautiful you could be a princess or a magician or you know it's kind of whatever your interest is it's that character is a hyper real version of that 
we're working up to this photo shoot where we'll have costume designers, makeup artists, a videographer for an installation, and then hopefully we'll launch a photo book or a calendar or both where the launch will include pictures up on the walls with the video installation there's some sound where the creatives will be talking about their character journey and and how it came to be or what that character brings to the world and then they'll arrive at the launch night probably the characters will come out and we'll perhaps do like a bit of a RuPaul runway or something (laughs) creepy like that. I feel really excited to enter into my alter ego Dirty Paws. Dirty Paws is a character based off my puppy dog, Frankie, and also another character, Kirsten, that's based kind of saving Private Ryan, but saving somebody from like the control of their community that's around them. So Dirty Paws is meant to be like, do whatever you want. You don't need to worry about consequences because it's a dog, simple life. And also it's more about ownership, like to show that When you're disabled, it feels like sometimes you don't own yourself, that society owns you and that you have to stick to the expectations society has on gender and disability and how to act. I mean, really, when you get down to it, it feels like bloody segregation, like in the 50s. Hopefully these alter egos will show people what we want to show them and how wonderful expression of gender, disability, personality and culture can be for the broader community. My alter ego is Snoop G. He's a boy and he is a rapper. Well, Snoop G is basically who I am. I just came up with another name and still using GK. I decided to use Snoop G to um, actually define who I am as a person. Yeah, it just um, gives the audience some sense of why they're there. And they also get, and I'm trying to say to them, live for now, forget about the past, and forget about the future, because I just want you to concentrate on now. When you look at me performing, that's all I want you to think. My dream is just to be known in this world and just to be seen. I just want to get out there. I just want to get out into the world and show other people my music and see if they can relate any other emotions that are in my songs. Once upon a time there was a girl with a dream. Mommy, can I sing her? Yeah, oh. yes, please. So couldn't be other grips, is trying to be the best. Meet other sweaty dolls, there's no luck or the rest. So Snoop G is scared of haters because other people in the world might think that I'm not supposed to do what I'm doing. I just want to say, this is me, this is my music. I just want to give out my music whether you if you like it or not. To everyone out there in the world, I just want to tell you to never give up at what you do. If you have a passion that you really love and that you really want to get into, don't give up at it because you never know how far you could get. Just as I have with every other episode, I rolled my sleeves up and got involved in the day's activities alongside the collective. That meant creating an alter ego and doing some improv acting. Performing like our characters would perform, like walking like our characters, acting like our characters, who we're going to be on 
for our performance, but our show, like I'll Friday Thirty. I'll yeah, see, yeah, Alika Egan Theo. What's our theme song gonna be? <laughs> oh, I know. What about the Golden Girls? Thank you for being. Oh yeah. <laughs> the audio for a second to get your attention, as this is where I come into the scene in my alter ego character, Arden Soft. What time is it? Oh, it's midday. I've only slept for 12 hours. What am I doing up? Oh, my goodness. What time did you get up? Get up? I haven't gone down. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you smell like the bar. Again. I mean, how are we supposed to run a successful online Instagram TikTok account and keep our images as princesses when these two live with us. The only people following your account is our grandma. <laughs> Do not speak of my my grandmama in those terms, hard and soft. I mean, she's the Professional script. Stop it. I think that would be a real good podcast if you put that together. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Is that also to hide our acting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just how it looks. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. What's been really happening and which is so beautiful is the, the dramatic tension between all the contrasting the characters. You're putting two, or you're putting four or three really different characters next to each other and seeing what happens. So that is dramatic gold, essentially. So that's you know where really interesting stuff can happen for an audience. We have, that's why we want to keep watching all the time. You know, I think as soon as you like combine disability in the arts, it goes straight to art therapy or music therapy, and um, that's beautiful and has its place. But it's also like, no, it's this is a legitimate creative arts mm. practice run by you know Megan's a theatre professional. There's some good performing happening down there. There's some good acting skills. You know, a lot of the creatives that we're working with had an interest in theatre, but they didn't have a theatre practice, and so Megan over the last six months, 12 months has really like methodically worked through almost like the theatre handbook, you know, and there's all sorts of modules and stages of theatre making that anyone would do. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, you know, sometimes the disability arts is left with a lesser than model or, yeah, it's just not, it's not always the same opportunities, whereas you know, as you can see, 100% it should be. Today they were coming up with their own personas and their own acts and scenes. That's very different than just saying here, 
sing this or hear act this. You know, maybe Kylie can speak to this better than I can, but from my experience, it's far too common that whether it's a facilitator or a parent or a carer or somebody who is in the life of an individual who identifies with a disability, far too often they're dictating where their comfort zone is. They're dictating even the words that come out of their mouth. You know, if you talk to anybody in a wheelchair who's got a carer, chances are they'll say people are talking to their carer rather than talking to them simply because they're in a wheelchair. You know, there's like all of this... Um, it feels weird to be, it seems like such a backwards conversation, but it's still happening. And so I think everything that we try and do within the collective is, it's not just involving creatives who identify with a disability, it's led by, it's written by, it's created by those individuals. Because, you know, for, for me, as having a songwriting performing practice, I have chosen to perform my own songs because that's what I can embody and that's what feels real and that's what I can communicate most authentically. And to expect somebody with a disability to to tell somebody else's story, you know, you wouldn't ask you or I to do that. So, but there's still that preconceived opinion where someone's capacity is or where someone's limitation is or where someone's comfort zone is and it's you have to take somebody to the end of their comfort zone for growth to happen you know imagine if every time something looked like it was going to get hard there was someone tugging on the back of your shirt saying oh i don't know if this is a good idea and you're like you know forget about that this is my you've got no idea where my comfort zone is and so i think Mm. that's where that's where growth happens and you kind of have to push it. You have to give someone the space to really dive into themselves and the safe space to share that. self-conscious and if I had really thought about it yesterday or had time to think about it if I thought I'm going to come in and do a bit of acting do a bit of improv I would have literally like shaken at the knees but when I came in today like I've been acting I've been shaking and moving about and kind of dancing and singing and I've done it without fear and without shame and without hesitation how what is it about this space do you think, can you explain to me why I also come <laughs> I want to flip the microphone and say, you know, what, before we answer, it was like, why do you, we can probably explain it, but can you explain it? I think we intuitively get a sense of what's happening in a room and we intuitively get a sense of whether we're being judged, whether we're being sized up, whether it's competitive, whether there's jealousy in the room, anything like that. And I think almost straight away from the second I walked in, people were genuinely interested in who I am, what I'm doing. There was a curiosity and it was never once anything competitive or cynical or judgmental. It was just this open, genuine curiosity. And I think I felt that throughout the day, just a real lack of judgment and a sense of everybody's welcome. And you feel it. The more I saw people throw their bodies about the room without fear, 
the more I felt like I could do that as well. Mm. And every time somebody said something, tried something, did something, there was support and there was applause and there was tears. And I think in no other space of my end do you really get that. And I, and I think I haven't had a lot of time to reflect on it, but they're my first thoughts. Well, to me, listening to what you've just reflected on is, you know, it's a safe space. And for me, that's just gives me such joy in my heart because that's really at the basic level of what we're trying to create is a safe space for anyone to come in and express themselves in a, in a collaborative manner. And um, I love that you felt like that. And I was stoked to have hard and soft in the space with me. Um, it, it was great. And I think because it's one of inquiry too. It's a space of inquiry, but it's really about an emotional supportive environment where you can be honestly who you want to be and hopefully that energises those around that space and it sounds like it energised you a tiny little bit this morning or maybe a big bit. Yeah, I've got sore cheeks from smiling. I've had such a great day. This is the first kind of theatre improv group I think I've ever been to. Drama's not something I have experience with. Are all groups like this? There's no shyness, there's no inhibitions. Everyone just goes straight in, which is just the best. You know, I'm not spending time stroking the ego, I suppose. But definitely from the way I've worked with adults or teenagers, it's a different experience. It's pretty wild. So you get on stage and you perform some of your own songs and you perform as a group. What does that feel like? It does feel really awesome. Like, I don't really know what the words are for it. It does feel really surreal, like it's just happening in the moment. First time I ever got on stage, I was was a bit nervous. very first performance I did was was with a choir. We were doing all Port Ferry Folk Festival. I love doing that. I think we seem to be a highlight of the Port Ferry Folk Festival. How do you think you've changed from when you first started coming till now. Do you think you've changed or grown at all? Well, I reckon I've changed because I'm less impulsive and less of an asshole now. I used to be afraid, but I'm not anymore because I feel that now I can get out, do what I want to do without having to worry about anything. Yeah, I have grown as a person because music has helped me become more confident. I'm still growing up, so I'm going to learn a bit about what what I can do for my music and where it can lead me. Nothing's been challenging. That's the greatest thing. It's just so amazingly easy and organic and exciting. I don't want to sound wanky or lame, but the humanity is palpable. I suppose there's no pretense, which I don't like pretense. I don't like any fakeness or anything like that and that is just you know straight away that's not even a thing come as you are you could say whatever no one is offended or revolted it's beautiful it's awesome we often forget you know as humans what it's like to really just live in that moment unapologetically just be in the vibe in the hook and enjoy that together whether you know the person beside you really well 
or it's someone that you've only just recently met as part of that rehearsal process or performance. It's that connectivity that is just imploded by the music and to watch that, it is pretty cool. Like it's so hard not to get caught up in in that moment because it is so real and so present when it happens that even if it's a 15-minute set, a 30-minute set, an hour set, I guarantee that the audience has gone on a journey with this and who doesn't want to fly high with an amazing soundtrack to, to cruise with? I've always tried to come from the place in my life of living from a place where I wake up every day and be like, what do I get to do today? Not what do I have to do today? This community kind of just happened and I still get to get up every day and come and write songs and share music and connect with people and there's just a a real purpose behind it and I think to be able to sit back and observe other people going on their individual journey but it's shared in you know like Kylie said as a collective is is the coolest thing to watch and yeah, I do. I get out of bed every day being like, cool, what do I get to do today? And the funny thing is none of it was deliberate. None of it was planned. None of it was schemed up. It was like naturally just a phone call and then a, a really an evolution since then. But I think there's a lot of intuition and a lot of just going with the flow and you know, moving with the vibe, I'm always about the vibe. I'm like, it truly is just opening up yourself to those natural rhythms of how people connect together. And if you don't try and sort of structure that, if you just allow that to unfold, it's a magic place to be in. I think it's really simple in the way that we all have an opportunity to create culture or flip culture or choose our own individual culture and if a group of people kind of make an effort to create a culture where everyone is seen on a level playing field everyone is seen of being of worth you are able to unapologetically be yourself drop vulnerability it sounds like this utopian thing but it's not it's actually really simple it just takes that own kind of individual commitment in a group setting and if you can do that you know you don't have to analyze it you don't have to overcomplicate it it's just like let's just turn up let's hold each other let's have heaps of fun let's drop our vulnerability and just come as you are i just really want everyone to live in peace and harmony and share love and joy and so that when those difficult moments come you know we know that we have that support network around us and i think to be able to offer that and offer that just wholeheartedly is something that others might not seem as important others might think finances are important or you know job descriptions or all these things that complicate our lives but for me it's really about trying to live as honestly and as vibrantly and in allyship with some really fabulous people that I can't imagine my life being without. Mm 
Hey Lisa, I was hoping to have a chat with you. I participated in an acting course. This course was for people who identify as having a disability and I thought you'd be a great person to talk to about this. So I was in a beach town called Warrnambool and while I was there I spent one day with the Find Your Voice Collective. So I joined them just for a day of their practice, their acting class, their improv. You were doing acting and improv? Yes. We did lots of different warm-up exercises, which is practising acting in front of people and voices. And then they were just like, great, create an alter ego. Everyone else already had theirs. They'd been working on theirs for weeks. So they're like, grab an alter ego, act out this scene with us. We're just going to do some improv. Oh, my goodness. I know. So before morning tea, I was improv acting with a group of people that I'd never met before. And there's about 20 <laughs> well, people. Ego. Well, I kind of cheated a little bit because I was on the spot. For episode one in the podcast, I did drag. I don't know if I told you about it. I was a drag queen. And I came up with the name Arden Soft. So you were Arden Soft. Yeah, and I thought of that because I grew up on Arden Street. But I thought it worked because oh. it was this idea of like hard and soft. Arden Soft. Yeah. Anyway, so basically all day was lots of different types of acting and activities. And I'd never met any of these people before. A room full of about 20 people. And usually I would be excessively shy doing anything like this. Like I don't kind of just bust out and start acting in front of people. And I felt so comfortable within like the first 10, 15 minutes in just the warm-up exercises, it was really incredible and I had like this massive smile all day. Do you think it was because you were travelling and you felt free and you didn't know anyone for the whole time and you got into the habit of just being who you want and not worrying about what people think because you don't know anyone the whole time? I think that's how I felt when I was travelling. I think that's definitely one possibility. It could just be that particular group of people and a well-structured program and a really kind of supportive environment already and supportive facilitators. It could have been that. So it was a group for disabled people or people with disability. And I'm wondering if it's because they have spent their whole life managing spaces and situations that are not accessible to them. And so as a result, they know how to make people feel welcome and included because maybe they haven't always had that experience themselves. So like a lifetime of lived experience of having to navigate a world that can be exclusive has shown them how to be really inclusive. Well, I guess it's possible. Maybe because they're actors, they've expressed their trauma and processed it better through their art. Mm. I didn't leave thinking I was ever going to be an actor or anything like that, but I definitely left having a lot of fun. And so it's not made you want to go into acting or drama or improv? I actually would join a group like this, but I wouldn't do the final show, I think. So they're working towards, you know, a public performance. I could do the rehearsals and then call in sick the day of the final performance in front of a crowd, I think. I'd be that person Great that lets... The, I was just going to say I'd be the person that lets the team down. Well, I used to do lots of acting when I was, I guess, a teen. Did you? I didn't know I that. I did. I guess, you know, it was kind of similar. People were just there for the art. They were there for making something beautiful and working together to do it. And so 
they had to had to be nice to each other because that's how you get the best performance at the end. And I studied theatre studies as well. So I was a big dramatic person. And so what did you get out of doing it? I probably learned how to mask better as an autistic. So it would have been useful to me, not that I knew it at the time, but learning how to craft my outward persona by pretending, which is what a lot of autistic people do. They mask their real selves so that they can fit in better. And would you join a group like that now? No, no, I wouldn't. I find it very difficult meeting new people and I find performing very stressful and I get a lot of anxiety around it. I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if it would be more approachable or whether you'd feel more comfortable going to a group that was specifically for disabled people like the Find Your Voice Collective. Would that be less intimidating to approach and be a part of than a mainstream group? Oh, gosh. I don't know whether it would. Explaining how it was for you makes me feel like it would be very nice. But I think I'd still be the same amount of anxious about it. But again, I guess it depends on the situation I was in. If I was travelling on my own, I probably wouldn't be nervous. Mm. Also, I guess if I was just dipping in for the day, that would be much less scary than if I was actually going to be part of the production because I'd have to form relationships with the people beyond the surface stuff, which is kind of easy and fake. The co-founder of the Find Your Voice Collective, her name's Kylie, uh, she talked a lot about safe spaces and the importance of them. I'm wondering what a safe space means to you. I think because I'm an anxious person, I need to feel safe to really relax and be myself and function. And so having a space that I feel safe is everything. My home is a safe space. I don't know how anyone else would know what a safe space for me would be. I think it's very personal for everyone. They all know each other now. They all meet every week and work together. So maybe they're able to create a safe space knowing each person's individual needs because they have that time to form that relationship and develop those needs, I guess, or understand those needs. I think the takeaway message is you wouldn't join a group like this, but you have in the past and it was helpful for you at the time, but is no longer helpful. And for me, I loved the day that I had, but I just know me enough to know that I'm not a performer and I'm not an actor. Well, it's good to know that about yourself. (laughs) Imagine if you'd done this and had found your calling was acting through doing that day with the Find Your Voice Collective. So I think I would love that because I'm 39 years old and I still haven't found my calling. So (laughs) I would like to. Well, yeah, I guess that's what we're looking for. I haven't found mine either. Unless my calling is pottering. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe my calling is harassing friends to debrief about the random things I've been trying on my travels. And what's your dream for the future? What do you you hope to be doing when you're 29 or 39? Well, I hope to be a singer. That's what I really want to do. I really want to be able to become a singer and produce my own songs and get out to the world.
This podcast was created by me, Kai Noonan. Audio production by Harry Hughes. Script editing and advising by Adam Hughes. Check us out on Instagram. Just search Towards Connection.